Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. The new year is almost here, and it's about the time we start talking to our partner or our friends about goals to eat healthier in the new year, maybe after a season of indulgence and maybe a few less vegetables and more glasses of wine than we'd like or is typical for us. But I know that you probably also know, even if you don't want to admit it, that quick fixes and extremes might work for a short amount of time, hence the quick fix, but they don't last. So in today's episode, I want to give you some super simple ways that you can start to cook and eat healthier this new year, no diet culture BS included. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort? let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak, and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen. I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible by simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way, without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life Healthy Mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. Welcome back to the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, founder of Healthy Mama Chris and host of the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. I am a trained chef. I have a background in nutrition. And funny enough, even though it's in the name, I don't necessarily talk a whole lot about healthy eating here on the podcast or on social media, at least as of late. I did for many years when I was working as a personal trainer and exercise nutrition coach, but as I embarked on a journey to find more balance in my own views of food, having dealt with eating disorders and disordered eating for many years, and I really found a healthy relationship with food, I shifted away from anything that could be construed as prescriptive. Because very honestly, we are all so incredibly different in what our bodies need based on our physiology, pre-existing health conditions, life stage, and goals. 
I learned this firsthand years ago when I was working to manage my IBS symptoms, and then again when I was first working on balancing my hormones after my PCOS diagnosis. I also learned that food worked differently for me during both of my wildly different pregnancy experiences and when I was finding what intuitive eating meant to me. Now, I don't even call myself an intuitive eater anymore, though I do believe in the core principles of intuitive eating. If you've struggled with food before and you haven't read the book Intuitive Eating, it is a game changer. But these days, I identify more as what I like to call an intentional eater. I eat intentionally. I focus on the foods that I know work well for me and make me feel good, which took a lot of years to figure out. Like I mentioned, I've had IBS since I was a young child. I've dealt with hormone imbalances for most of my adult life, and there's always ups and downs with both of those. But what I've learned over the years is focusing on listening to my body and how my body responds to the foods I eat and my body's needs in the season I'm in. My body needs more food, for instance, when I'm running more and training for a marathon or when I've increased my strength training. Maybe less when I'm not, but I don't overfocus on that. I listen. I do follow the science of food and nutrition without jumping on every new fad just to use it as information and maybe try new things. And I take what works and throw away the rest. And that's exactly what I encourage you to do too. I'm not here to preach any one way of eating. I'm here to help you to eat and cook in a way that works for you in a way that is simpler and less stressful. We're all different. We all have different needs, and it's up to you to decide which of these things that I'm sharing matter to you. There are lots of ways to be healthy. I truly believe that. Where our family enjoys meat, your family might be plant-based, and so on. This isn't medical advice. These are tips from a real food chef who's gone through a lot of health struggles, including disordered eating, made it out on the other side in what feels like a really great place of balance and lots of real food eating. My philosophy, like I said, is primarily a real food, unprocessed as much as possible approach, but with some shortcuts and takeout mixed in because it's life and I don't think food should be stressful. All foods fit in our life, some foods we choose to keep in our home, some foods we don't, but overall, what's most important to us is that we're healthy, strong, and most importantly, we love the food we eat, and I hope you do too. So if that is also your mission as we are moving into this new year, finding what works for you, eating more real whole foods, and nourishing your body starting in your kitchen, I want to share with you some simple ways that you can improve your health through food and cooking without extremes. Okay, tip number one. This is, out of all of the tips, probably, no, not probably, this is what I believe to be the most impactful change that you can make for your health and wellness. I did say I wouldn't say anything prescriptive, but I do think that if you make this one change, it will have massive impacts on your health and wellness. And that is, to eat at home more. The more we eat home-cooked meals, the better our health and wellness for a few simple reasons. Now, there are some nuances to this. If eating at home means you're buying all of those like freezer microwave meals that are full of a lot of ingredients you might not be able to pronounce and, you know, no offense to Pop-Tarts, but that's what came into my head, like Pop-Tarts and Easy Mac and 
None of these things are a problem in and of themselves on occasion, but if all we're eating is processed foods, I mean, there are studies upon studies upon studies on different ingredients that might be in these foods that might not be great for our health. I do believe in a whole foods philosophy for the most part. The less processed we can eat within a balanced life, of course, because we're all human and we need breaks sometimes, and I'm a huge fan of takeout on occasion, and also shortcuts to make meals easier. But simply eating at home more and not going out to eat where you might not know what is in the meals that they make, what kind of oils they're using, what kind of processed foods they're using within those meals. You know, maybe you have a sensitivity to MSG and you're like, well, I don't eat at Chinese food restaurants because we know that a vast majority of Chinese food restaurants use MSG in their cooking. Well, so do a lot of other Asian restaurants, but not just Asian restaurants either. I worked in restaurants and I remember seeing like the big tubs of powdered MSG, which are used in sauces to enhance flavors. And it doesn't impact everyone, but it does impact some of us. And there's just so many ingredients that we might not be able to account for in foods when we're eating outside of the home. Now, like I've said multiple times, I don't think this means we never eat outside the, the home. I think it means we eat more at home than we do out. When we eat more at home, we can control the ingredients that go in our food. We can amplify the nutrition of the ingredients that we are using because we are making those decisions for ourselves and our family. Maybe we use a shortcut here, here or there, and I have full episodes on shortcuts. I just did a recent episode on fall shortcuts. I'll link that one down below. But even so, we are still going to be eating more of those real whole foods, or at least have the ability to eat more of those real whole foods. We're spending less money as well. It's so expensive to eat out or to grab takeout. And we're really just taking the power of food into our own hands. So eating at home more often than not. But how do we do this? How do we simplify this, okay? Because I know that the just the idea of eating at home more often can be overwhelming for a lot of busy moms because I've been working with busy moms for over a decade. And people hire me to do all of their cooking for them because of how stressful it can be. Now, if you don't have the budget for a personal chef, you start with meal planning. I have an episode I just launched last week on meal planning for the new year. It takes you through step by step what you're going to do to get back into a meal planning routine if you might have slipped out of a meal planning routine over the busy holiday season or if you're starting a meal planning routine. It's a pretty short and sweet episode. It doesn't go in super detail. I go in much more detail about meal planning in my Healthy Mama meal prep course because that's the first step to meal prep is to meal plan. But that episode will give you a really great place to start with simplified meal planning. So this will not only help you to eat more of those whole foods by cooking at home, it'll also help to save you money and make eating healthier that much easier. Tip number two you're going to start meal prepping. If you've been around here for a while, you know I am a huge advocate for meal prep. 
I created my meal prep course back in 2017. That means it is turning seven years old this year. I was actually pregnant with my youngest daughter when I created this course. So it was like my second baby before my second baby was even born. And I took what I learned as a personal chef and turned it into something that was doable for busy moms. Because I think just like meal planning can be overwhelming, I think meal prep can be even more overwhelming. But I know once we come into the new year, a lot of us want to simplify getting those meals on the table. And meal planning is the first step. The second step is learning how to do a little bit of prep ahead in order to make our weeks easier. Now, spoiler alert, next week's episode is all about exactly how to start meal prepping in the new year. So stay tuned for that. But I think the most important thing to know is that you can start exactly where you are. You do not need to dive into a full day of meal prep. In fact, just like when it comes to extremes in our diet, I think if we go in too hard too soon, we get burnt out really fast and we just go back to our old ways. I'm not here to encourage you to burn out or do too much at all. I am here to teach you how to slowly transition into a meal prep routine that works for you. For many people, this is just about an hour a week. That's what I do. If you have watched me on Instagram at all, I know I'm on a little bit of an Instagram break, but I'll be back in January sharing more about meal prep because I'm so passionate about how much of an impact it can make on our health and most importantly, our stress levels as busy moms. Meals just come together so much faster when you have maybe some pre-prepped vegetables already chopped, so less to do when you're making dinner or a pre-prepped protein. Those are the two places I recommend people start when it comes to meal prep is just chopping vegetables ahead of time, maybe just taking a half an hour to chop some vegetables ahead of time so that's done for the week and so your meals are that much faster. Maybe pre-prepping a protein. I talk about my meal prep essential five in my Healthy Mama meal prep course and the one hour meal prep mini course. And that's essentially the place that I encourage people to strive to get to if you're looking to just prep for an hour a week. So that's your protein, your produce, some sort of a grain or starch. So those three things will help you to create meal starters. So when you do go to create your meal, to cook your meals week to week or day to day, I guess, not week to week, day to day, then they're that much easier. And then either a breakfast or a lunch, whichever one is the biggest struggle for you, and then a snack or a sauce. Again, it's all about catering it to you. But I do know that meal prep will make a huge difference in helping you to eat healthier because if you have healthy meals on hand and or healthy ingredients on hand, it's a heck of a lot easier to eat healthy. And again, healthy is whatever your definition of healthy is, but I'm defining it as more real whole foods. So we want to eat at home more, which means we need to start with a meal plan and then work on doing just a little bit of meal prep to make that actually happen so we're less overwhelmed making complicated dinners every night. By the way, I don't think you need to make complicated dinners every night. I think that cooking once and eating twice is a great strategy for a lot of busy moms. So if you cook one protein, we'll talk about proteins in a minute, but if you cook one larger protein at the beginning of the week, either during your meal prep or as your Sunday meal, and then you can use that in another meal during the week, you've already shortened the time that it's going to take you to prep a meal 
later on that week. It's all about finding those ways to make cooking less stressful. That way, it's going to be easier to eat at home more. It's going to be easier to eat more of those real whole foods. Tip number three, and this one might be a little controversial because there is some conflicting evidence out there, but I'm going to stand by this. These are, these are my own personal beliefs. You can choose if this is something that you want to pursue or not, but from my own personal research and the studies that I have read, there aren't a lot of health benefits to eating or to using seed oils in our cooking. Now, there is some debate as to whether or not seed oils cause inflammation. I know anecdotally, I notice that if I am eating out more, if we're traveling more, then one thing that I notice is that I end up with a lot more acne and skin issues when I'm eating more of those seed oils versus eating more at home. Now, could this be something else? It could be, but that's typically what I've noticed is the biggest difference. I've, Like I said, I've worked in restaurants and oils are expensive. So most places that I've worked will use some sort of a blended seed oil, usually like a canola soy blend for their cooking, for their everyday cooking, to mix with butter, to increase that smoke point of the butter. Restaurants aren't using avocado oil to deep fry because it's crazy expensive. So for me, whether or not these oils cause infl inflammation in and of themselves, we do know that we need a proper ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fats in our diet that is proven. Um, and if we're not eating enough omega-3s and we're only eating those omega-6, which most seed oils are high in omega-6, then it can cause imbalance in our body. We know this already. So I'm not going to get into the debate of seed oils cause inflammation or don't cause inflammation. My personal choice is that I try and use oils that have benefits to them, that, ha that we know have health benefits to them, like olive oil and avocado oil and coconut oil. And my personal opinion in this case is that that's one of the simplest changes that we can make to increase the nutrient density of our foods is to start with the base. So whatever, wh wherever we're starting is where we're starting on the health scale. So have you ever seen a canola oil plant or a canola plant? I'm pausing for effect. No, because they don't exist. Canola oil comes from the rapeseed plant. And it's actually toxic for human consumption. Like you can't eat the rapeseed plant, but they take the seeds and they press them into oil. Now, that's not true for all seed oils. Like, you know, sunflower seed oil, you can obviously eat sunflower seeds, grapeseed oil, you can eat grapes, you know, soybean oil, you can eat the soybeans, though I don't actually know where the oil comes from. I believe it's highly processed. In any case, Personally, I just like to lean towards those oils that we know have health benefits and use those as the starter for our meals and for our dressings and things like that. So if you're going to make your own homemade vinaigrette, which is so easy and simple, there's so many ingredients in store-bought salad dressings for the most part. And then some of the really great whole food salad dressings are so expensive. We're talking like $10 a bottle where you can make it at home for a couple of bucks. So I like to use, like I said, olive oil typically for uh, cold purposes or low heat cooking. 
I use avocado oil and coconut oil for more high heat cooking. I'll also occasionally use ghee, which is clarified butter. I use a little bit of butter in my cooking as well, but typically I will mix that with some avocado oil to increase that smoke point of the butter um, so it's not burning on me. Brown butter, beautiful. Burnt butter, not great. So I think it's such a simple thing that we can shift is swapping out those seed oils for more of those olive oils and avocado oils and coconut oils. And as either the starter for your meals, like whenever you're going to saute something or roast something, or if you are going to pan sear something, you can swap those out. And the same thing with your salad dressings. Tip number four, prioritize protein without breaking the bank. You all know I am a huge advocate of eating well and spending less and the importance of protein, especially for satiety and for muscle synthesis, which is incredibly important that we maintain muscle as we age for longevity and mobility as we get older. None of us are getting younger, right? So these have been widely proven as an important factor in our overall health. And again, there's debates on protein, animal protein versus plant protein. I'm not getting into that. That is what works for you. But I think prioritizing protein, especially for blood sugar balance and satiety, is so important. But I think it's one of those things we find to be either really expensive or and or we are uncomfortable cooking it. And so we tend to skimp out on the protein. And so a couple of the hacks I like to use to prioritize protein, especially for myself with PCOS, one of the biggest game changers for me for blood sugar balance. And this is this is a real thing that I have struggled with. I have my blood sugar tested a couple times a year. My A1C, as well as my fasting glucose. And the biggest thing that has made a difference for me, which again, we're all different. This might not be something that you need to focus on, but all the other factors that I mentioned, we all need to eat some sort of protein, right? So for me, this has made the biggest difference. So some of the things that I've done are, number one, keep less expensive proteins on hand, things like eggs, and then I'll also add some egg whites to my eggs as well. The yolk is so rich in nutrients, but the yolk is half of the egg and the protein is just in the white, right? I think there's like a little bit of protein in the yolk. I want to say it's a gram. Uh, that's that's reaching way back in <laughs> from my my college nutrition training. So if that's wrong, please don't come after me. The main source of protein in an egg is the white, and it's an incredibly bioavailable protein as well. And eggs, even though they are more expensive than they were in the past, are still fairly inexpensive, and so are egg whites. And so mixing in some of those is a great way to increase protein at breakfast time. I also love doing what I was mentioning earlier, cooking one large piece of protein or one large batch of protein. Maybe you're doing chickpeas or lentils if you're plant-based. For me, oftentimes it's cooking maybe a whole chicken or a whole roast and then using the leftovers in another meal. We do this all the time. When I say all the time, almost every single week, I will cook one large piece of protein and use it in more than one meal. It is so cost effective. And I also like going for less expensive proteins as well. So things like chicken thighs, 
the bone-in chicken thighs versus chicken breast are going to be less expensive. I also They also tend to have more flavor, too, because there's all those minerals in the bones, and that's what bone broth is made of, right? And so that's giving us a ton of flavor there as well if you are a meat eater. So choosing less expensive protein, choosing ground meat. I used a lot of ground meat in my recipes because it is inexpensive, it's really accessible, and it's not super intimidating to cook as well. I also really love plant-based proteins and foods that are high in plant-based proteins to increase our protein intake without breaking the bank. So things like bonza chickpea pasta has a ton of protein and fiber in it. So it keeps myself and my kids full, even if we don't have an animal protein or an additional protein in our meal. So that's one really simple way that you can increase satiety, and help with that muscle protein synthesis in our own body, especially if you are working out and you're trying to increase your strength. It's really important to fuel our bodies so that we're actually getting that effective result from our workouts, right? We want to increase that muscle so we're, we're stronger and we stay strong as we age, right? I mean, not all of us are on a journey to gaining muscle, but we want to maintain that muscle and stay strong and capable as we age, right? Watching my grandparents get older and become less and less mobile has been a really good reminder that it's really important that we stay strong as we get older. So that's an important thing for me. And if it's an important thing for you, there are a couple tips. We're going to take a second from all of the food talk to talk about this week's sponsor. Many of you know I am all about creating healthy habits, and the one that I am currently working on the most is drinking enough water. And as I'm saying that, I probably need to pause and take another sip of water because it's really easy for me to sit here in my podcasting room, aka my closet, and go through two or three episodes without taking a single sip of water. It's terrible, I know, because I know the importance of staying hydrated for my health and my energy as a busy mom. If I'm not podcasting, I'm on my feet all day in the kitchen, and I'm a runner. I'm currently training for a half marathon, which means that hydration is even more important. And even more importantly than that, I also care about the kind of water I drink and the kind of water my kids and my husband drink too. One of the things I was looking for when I was looking for water filters is a water filter that we could put on our countertop because we are currently renting and we didn't want to have to ask our property manager if we could drill holes under the sink. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It was seriously so easy to put together. My husband offered, and I'm like, nope, I want to put it together because I am going to be sharing with people whether or not this works and if it's easy to put together. I am not the handiest gal. I'm not, like, DIYing things over here other than recipes. So... I know that it comes together really fast, no installation, no plumbing, and it removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and it's specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. Its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IAPMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs, known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. 
Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle, plus you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste, which is really important for us living near the beach. In addition to drinking water, you can also use it for your coffee, tea, and all your cooking needs from boiling pasta or veggies to making stocks and soups. It was actually my dad who introduced me to using the filtered water in my coffee and, oh my goodness, game changer. Not to mention, the water actually tastes so good I find myself actually wanting to drink more water. And it makes me feel really good that my family is drinking clean water free of contaminants as well. We always fill the girls' water bottles up before they go to school because I have no idea what is in the water from the bubbler at school. All that to say, AquaTrue is really working for us, but I know that if you're like me, you want to make sure that you're making the right purchases for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and it even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code HEALTHYMAMA at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code HEALTHYMAMA. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tip number five, include more probiotic and prebiotic foods, because I don't think I need to tell you how important gut health is to our entire body, not just the way our bellies feel, but also for our immune system, for our brain health. We have that gut-brain axis. I could go on and on about how important gut health is, but I think adding in more probiotic and prebiotic foods, prebiotic foods are those foods that feed the probiotics, and probiotics are those healthy bacteria in our gut. Well, they're healthy bacteria we want to get into our gut, I guess, if you're eating probiotic foods. They're increasing the healthy bacteria in our guts, and studies have shown that it's important that we have a variety of healthy bacteria in our gut. We don't want it all from the same source. So we try and include probiotic foods, fermented foods, in at least two meals a day. Now, okay, we are not at all strict about this, but some of the ways we like to get in probiotic and prebiotic foods are obvious ones like yogurt and kefir. My kids really love when I make homemade drinkable yogurts. I also love that there are companies coming out with cultured sour cream and cottage cheese. Good Culture is my favorite brand. So these have some of those probiotic benefits like yogurt and kefir. And then if you can't do dairy, coconut yogurt, a really good coconut yogurt that has those live cultures in it can be really helpful. And then another fun way we like to get in prebiotics and probiotics is through drinks. So we love kombucha. We also love probiotic or prebiotic sodas. Olipop and Poppy are two brands, and Olipop is our favorite. They really do taste a lot like soda, though I don't really drink quote-unquote real soda anymore. I mean, I'll have a Diet Coke a couple times a year, I won't lie to you, uh, but I used to drink it all the time, and I don't anymore. So as a special treat, we'll make it like a mocktail for the girls. Um, we will oftentimes do an Olipop or a Poppy once or twice a week. 
We also love sourdough bread, which is not a probiotic food in and of itself. I believe it contains probiotics when it's raw, but once it's cooked, you don't have those probiotic benefits. But it does have the benefit of being uh, more gut-friendly for a lot of us who might have tummy issues with too much gluten. For me, I'm fine with a small amount of gluten, but I do find if I'm eating a lot of it, I end up getting really bloated. And again, that's just me. That's my body. Uh, But I do find that I don't notice anything, any effects, any negative effects, that is, from sourdough. It makes me feel really good. And you want to find a sourdough provider that uses real sourdough and it's not just oh this is it has like sourdough flavoring some some companies will do that but if you don't have a local place to buy it it can be quite expensive sometimes it's very easy to make yourself that's one of my goals for the new year as well so those gut friendly foods probiotic and prebiotic foods with a comment on sourdough because it's just so good tip number 6 fill up on fiber eat more veggies and whole grains if they work for you So how can we do this? How can we fill up on more fiber? We know that fiber is so important for our gut health and also satiety. Like protein, it helps us to stay full longer, and it's really important for our gut. But most of us don't get enough fiber according to the most recent studies. So one of the best ways we can get more fiber is to eat more fiber-rich vegetables. But I know that sometimes vegetables can be boring and it can be hard to figure out how to get in more vegetables to us and our kids as well, other than just like snacking on carrots all day and eating salads like a rabbit. Now, I love a good salad. But there are so many other good ways to make sure we're getting in vegetables. I actually have a whole member exclusive ebook called Turn Up the Beat in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club with a lot of kid friendly, veggie heavy recipes, including things like our Princess Beet Hummus. Though that name keeps changing. It was Princess Beet Hummus, then it was Barbie Beet Hummus, whatever. It's pink and it's cute. My Hulk dip slash green goddess dip, that recipe is on my website, is a great way to get in vegetables. It uses spinach and basil. It's kind of like if pesto and hummus had a baby. So that's a great way to get in more vegetables. Kale chips are so delicious. My kids will eat an entire head of kale in like five minutes flat when we do kale chips. We also love to add vegetables to soups and stews. It's so easy to to just add a handful of spinach or kale to your soups and stews. Mix in cauliflower rice with your regular rice. If you're making fried rice or any other dish that you would have rice with, you can mix in some cauliflower rice for a little bit of extra nutrients. We also love mixing cauliflower in with our mac and cheese. When I make homemade mac and cheese, the kids do not know and they love it. And I don't like to keep the vegetables that I put into food from my kids. However, sometimes we just, it's like a don't ask, don't tell sort of situation with vegetables in our house. (laughs) So I mix in some cauliflower with rice sometimes, and I'll also mix it into macaroni and cheese. I love to keep frozen vegetables on hand too, to either roast or always have on hand to mix in to meals. They're very inexpensive. You can get a bag of frozen broccoli at Target for 89 cents, and we'll roast that up and quick veggies to go with the meal. I have a whole tutorial on my website on how to roast frozen veggies. It's very simple and inexpensive. I also love adding vegetables to meatballs, like my curried sweet potato meatballs or meatloaf muffins. I have a veggie-filled meatloaf muffin recipe with zucchini. And what else does it have in there? I think I do sweet potato in there as well. Or to pasta sauce. I have a five-veggie meat sauce where I add in a bunch of different vegetables, mushrooms, carrots, onions, 
What else do I add in there? Sweet potatoes, zucchini as well. But you can add in like any shredded vegetables to any meatloaf muffins, meatballs, pasta sauce, whether or not you have meat in there. It's a really great way to add in extra veggies and find new ways that you love to eat vegetables. I'm not a huge fan of raw vegetables and I'm a very, you know, quote unquote healthy eater. I eat lots of vegetables. I want to eat lots of nutrients. But other than salads, I don't like raw vegetables. You will rarely find me snacking on raw vegetables, but I love them cooked. So I will roast up a bunch of vegetables at the beginning of the week and have that with my lunches. Or I just recently created a recipe for my new meal prep class that's coming up in January. So I wasn't planning on mentioning that today, but here we are. If you're not on my email list yet, go click the free meal planning guide link in the show notes and get onto my email list. You can be the first to find out when my new meal prep class is launching. It will be, as always, limited attendance. So be the first to get on the list. And so I created a fajita chicken sheet pan recipe. So the whole thing, except for the rice that you cook on the side, goes on a sheet pan and you just divide it into some meal prep containers with some cilantro lime rice. It's got a ton of peppers and onions, then the chicken, the cilantro lime rice, some avocado. It's very veggie heavy. You've got that protein in there and it is so tasty. I literally just ate it for lunch today. So good. So find new ways that you love eating vegetables. Tip number seven, because we're continuing to talk about gut health, this could be the ways to simply improve your gut health in the new year episode, Uh, but it's not. We're talking about health in general, but I believe that health starts in the gut. So make your own bone broth. If you are someone who eats meat, if not, you can make your own vegetable broth. Making your own bone broth is so, so simple. Now, yes, there is a difference between stock and broth. Stock is made from bones and broth is usually made from the meat. And usually stock is made with aromatics. So your mirepoix, carrot, celery, onion, usually also some herbs, maybe some garlic as well. And sometimes broth is just made from the meat. So there is a slight difference, but bone broth is sort of widely agreed upon to be the bones and the aromatics cooked slowly so that you get those nutrients from the bones and the vegetables as well as the flavor. It is so easy to make with leftover chicken carcass or you can roast beef bones, marrow bones, or stock bones that you get at the store. Oftentimes, Whole Foods, Sprouts, I've seen them all over in the frozen section. You can get a bunch of beef bones and roast them up. That's what's traditional in French cooking. You don't have to roast them, but you will get more out of the bones if you roast them first. In any case, making your own broth is so simple. We will roast a whole chicken, or if we get a rotisserie chicken, usually we'll wait to have two rotisserie chickens worth because I do find it has better flavor when you have the bones of two rotisserie chicken because they just tend to be a little bit smaller. So we will roast a whole chicken, take all the meat off, use that for two meals, and then make broth. And I do carrot, celery, onion, garlic, whatever herbs I have on hand. Usually I include some parsley, some thyme. If my herbs are starting to wilt 
or they might be starting to brown a little bit, I will immediately put them into the freezer. I keep a stock bag in my freezer with any of the ends of carrots, celery, onion that I use in my cooking. Make sure you wash them if you're gonna put them in your stock bag and then use them for broth. So I wash them, throw all of that into my freezer, and when it's time to go and make stock, I just dump the contents of that, plus any extra carrot, celery, and onion if I need it. Those herbs that I've frozen, usually some garlic as well. And you can put anything in your stock bag as long as it's not cruciferous or super acidic like bell peppers. They can make it taste a little bit off, but ends of mushrooms are great. Leeks are really great. Most vegetables you use that aren't like broccoli, cauliflower, or bell peppers, you can add to your stock bag as well. You can just do vegetables if you just want to do a vegetable stock. This is also really inexpensive. We do buy broth at the store, but usually just beef broth because I typically have chicken stock on hand because of the routine that we are in. So we know that bone broth has so many benefits. It's really high in minerals. It's really gut friendly, and it's also an inexpensive way to add flavor to your meals. And you can also control the amount of sodium within your soups and stews or sauces whenever you are using that stock or broth, I should say, which I think is really helpful because nobody wants an oversalted soup, which is really easy to do with a store-bought broth or stock. I was actually just talking to my father-in-law about this because he uses an unsalted stock so he can add his own salt and still flavor his food that way, but without that extra sodium that might not be necessary and can hinder the flavor of your dis dish if it's over salted because we don't want our dishes to, to taste salty. We want them to taste well seasoned. Tip number eight, add in aromatics. This isn't just good for you. It also enhances the flavor of your food. You've heard me talk about mirepoix, carrot, celery, and onion is the base for pretty much all soups, and stews. Sofrito is also very similar to mirepoix. Italian sofrito is just like mirepoix, carrot, celery, and onion, though they're cut much smaller. They're minced. And then in Latin American, Spanish, and Portuguese cooking, oftentimes they also include some peppers as well, some bell peppers. So when you start your meal with these aromatic compounds and let them cook for a while. Let them start to caramelize. Let those flavors develop before we add in the rest of our food. We have a really great base to our dish. If you're skipping out on this, you are skipping out on so much flavor. And there's also a ton of health benefits to things like onions and carrots and celery. And it's just one way to add in more vegetables to pretty much everything you're cooking. Some other delicious aromatics we can add to our food are things like garlic and ginger. Studies have shown garlic to aid in heart health and ginger can aid in digestion and so much more. And they're super inexpensive as well. So adding in these flavorful ingredients can also enhance our health. So if you're skipping out on the mirepoix or you're not letting it cook and so you're missing out on that flavor or you're using... I just had to re-record that because I get very passionate about this, okay? hot take. I don't have a lot of hot takes. Oh, maybe I do. But this is probably my number one hot take. If you are using jarred garlic, it's not the same. Get yourself a microplane, grate your own fresh garlic. Garlic is very inexpensive. I know that getting it in a jar is convenient. I know that and I'm all about convenience foods, but please find a different way to be convenient. Fresh garlic and fresh ginger 
swapping the fresh ginger for dried ginger should only happen if you accidentally forgot ginger at the store. The fresh ginger, not only does it have more health benefits, it is also going to enhance the flavor tenfold. Fresh garlic is a must. It's a must, it's a must, it's a must, okay? I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. Please don't use jarred garlic. If you make any resolutions this new year, please let it be to throw out your jarred garlic. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just really passionate about flavor, guys. And you're not getting the same health benefits from garlic that's been sitting in a jar for six months. <gasps> please, no, please. Now, I do understand that onions, garlic don't work for everyone. Um, I have dealt with a lot of gut issues, like I've mentioned several times in this episode. So if you're someone who is in a place where you need to eat low FODMAP, they might not work for you. There's other ways that you can increase the flavor in your food. So take what works, leave the rest. Tip number nine, we're going to piggyback off of the aromatics adding flavor, but also nutrition. Get a little spicy. Add more spices to your food. Like aromatics, spices enhance flavor, but they can also have serious, nu um, not nutrient, but serious nutrition benefits as well. I'm not going to make any wild claims here, but we know that turmeric has been shown to be good for inflammation. Same thing with cayenne pepper. There are a lot of spices that have a lot of health benefits, so use more spices. So often I see people under-seasoning their food, and that doesn't just mean salt. With salt, you want to layer the salt so you're not adding more salt than you need and over-salting your food, adding a little at the uh, a little at a time is going to help to enhance the flavor of your food without it tasting salty. With spices, especially dried herbs, you want to add it in early so that the flavors have time to develop because they are dehydrated. You need to rehydrate them first and allow them time for those flavors to open up and expand within the dish. So I like toasting my spices a little bit in the bottom of the pan in some of the oil. This is especially true for any sort of Middle Eastern cooking, Indian cooking. I always like to toast the spices a little bit. Moroccan cooking, a lot of Asian cooking. I add those spices to the bottom. Oh, even like, you know, Mexican, Latin American cooking. There's honestly not many dishes where I don't toast the spices a little bit in some oil and then add in the other ingredients. It just enhances the flavor. Now, you don't want them to burn. You just toast them medium, low, medium heat, just so they toast a little bit. It helps to start bringing out those flavors, especially when you're mixing them with the fat. It helps to incorporate them within your dish as well. It will make a difference in the flavor of your dish. Both things I just mentioned, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about salting your food and layering salt, but it's important as is using enough spices. Don't be afraid. I mean, be afraid of using too much like cayenne pepper at a little bit because it's really hard if something's too spicy to tone it down. But when I say get spicy, I mean all sorts of your warming spices, like your cinnamon and your cumin and your coriander and your nutmeg. And then, you know, your turmeric, your curry powder, your garam masala, as well as your dried herbs and your fresh herbs. Just know to add those dried herbs at the beginning and fresh herbs typically go in at the end. Some of the hardier fresh herbs, like your thyme and your rosemary, will go in earlier. Follow the recipe if you're following a recipe. But remember that it, it is going to take those dried herbs time to open up and to flavor your food. It doesn't happen automatically. Do not like dump dried oregano 
towards the end of your dish, into your dish towards the end, it'll just taste like dried oregano, and that's not a good look for any dish. Unless you're making like a Greek salad. There are always exceptions to the rule, because as many quote-unquote rules as there are in cooking, there's so many ways to break them. But for the most part, you're going to add your spices in early or your dried herbs in early, toast them a little bit and a little bit of that fat to bring out some of that flavor, dried first, fresh last. And tip number 10. Last but certainly not least, find healthy, whatever that means to you, meals that you love and don't stress about it. We know that stress is the leading cause of health problems. It causes inflammation in our body. We know this. We know that stress affects us. The more we stress about food, the less healthier we become. Find those meals you love and rotate them. Add in one to two new meals a week to add to your family favorites list so you have a longer list of meals that you love. But I think the more simply you can eat, the better. And when I say simply, I don't mean you have to use the fewest ingredients possible. I just mentioned lots of spices, right? But I mean simplifying the process of eating. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every single week. You don't need to make five new meals every single week. It's okay to repeat meals, to find those healthy meals you love, and do whatever you need to to stress less about eating well. Maybe that's meal planning. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're meal planning, or I've at least convinced you that meal planning is going to help you eat healthier, which it will. Maybe that's grocery delivery, so you don't have to stress out about going to the grocery store. Maybe it's meal prep. Maybe it's a combination of the three. But I think finding those meals you love and sticking to them and then adding more slowly so that you can really feel like you have a grasp on some meals that make you feel good and taste good too is going to make a world of difference. And if you need help finding real food meals that your family loves, you know you have to come and join us in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. The Healthy Mama Cooking Club is like an extension of this podcast. If you ever wish that this podcast came with hundreds of recipes and maybe a weekly done-for-you meal plan with five family recipes, grocery list, and meal prep plan so you can use it as your meal plan, or maybe you just pick and choose and find out of our over 190 recipes in the recipe vault, some recipes that you want to try, that you can create your family favorites list with, that work for you and your family. I always share substitute recipes in the weekly email, and I just updated that recipe vault. Like I mentioned, there's almost 200 family-friendly recipes. You are bound to find several recipes that work for your family. They're all Whole Foods-based. There's almost always a gluten-free substitution. There's lots of dairy-free options as well. I designed these recipes to be simple. I have lots of Instant Pot and slow cooker recipes in there as well. They are simple but flavorful, flavor-packed. I want you to blow yourself away with how well you can cook some of these recipes and really fall in love with eating really good food. And now through December 31st, you can get 15% off a yearly subscription to the Healthy Mama Cooking Club, which means it starts at just $2.80 a month. That's I said $2. $2.80 a month. And then you'll also get fun special bonuses like Healthy Mama Cooking Club themed stickers, a copy of my digital Healthy Mama meal planner, my tear-off meal planning notepad, or a fun cooking club themed tote bag with our motto, good food brings family together. 
So head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris to learn more and join us. If you have any questions, you can always shoot me an email. Just head to my website, healthymamachris.com, and enter whatever your question is into the contact area. And that goes directly to me, and I'll get back to you with any questions that you might have. And you can join for a week for free and check everything out and decide if it's for you. This offer is only available through December 31st, though. You will not be able to sign up for a yearly membership after December 31st because we have some changes coming to the cooking club later on in 2024. So definitely take advantage of this now if you want some help with finding more real food meals that work for your family. So we went over a lot in this episode today, friends. Man, eating at home more, meal planning, meal prep, swapping out some ingredients, bringing in some ingredients, making your own bone broth, adding in more veggies, adding in aromatics, more spices, and ultimately finding those healthy meals that you love and stressing less about eating well. So I hope that you found this helpful. I hope it resonated with you. And if it didn't all resonate with you, remember that's okay too, because we're all different. And my goal is just that you find what works for you and have some really delicious meals while you're doing it and for the rest of time, because we all deserve to eat really delicious meals. So with that, this is the last official episode of 2023. We have a bonus episode coming up in just a few days, the last what we ate and what we spent episode, though I won't lie, I didn't really keep track of what we spent this month. It's so funny. The last few months of the year, I have not been as on top of things only because I've gotten into such a good routine of eating well and spending less. I don't really need to track it to know that we're not going wildly over budget. In any case, that episode's coming up later on this week, so you'll hear that. But the next episode you'll hear is going to be in 2024. So here is to a healthier and more delicious new year. Happy last week of the new year and happy new year before I talk to you next in 2024. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I've loved getting to know so many of you over on Instagram and in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I hope that many of you will join me in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club so we can hang out through the chats or through direct message. There's direct message over there in the cooking club as well. And I can share more delicious recipes with you guys. I am so excited about the winter meal plan that's coming out. It might be my best one yet. And I'm not just saying that. It's so good. So that's coming out in the beginning of January as well for executive chef members. So look out for that if you're in the cooking club or if you're thinking about joining the cooking club. It's pretty fun. I hope to see you there. In any case, whether I see you in the cooking club or you just continue listening over here, I appreciate you being here for as long as you've been here, whether today is your first episode, welcome, or your 350th episode. Thank you for listening. As always, I'll catch you in the next episode. Until next time, happy cooking. Thank you for listening to Mommy's Podcast. Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts so you never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mention, head to healthymamachris.com slash podcast. 
For daily eats, cooking tips, and family-friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at HealthyMamaChris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.